We are back. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Key takeaways from NFL Week 13. We're dissecting what just happened. More importantly, what actually matters going forward in fantasy football, DFS, and betting. I'm not alone. It was nice uh, last week, or I guess two weeks ago, to do a little bit of a victory lap. Uh, so I thought it was only fair that we let our next guest do the same. You guys know him from SportsGrid, the TakeCast, and the SwoleCast. He's a cash game grinder turned uh, GPP bro. But uh, Davis Maddock, how we doing, my man? Yeah, I mean, look, we we love to grind the uh, those minuscule edges, the the two v twos in cash games. We actually we actually don't love it, honestly. I think if I if we did if we didn't still do the gill cast and people didn't want the gill cast, uh, I I don't know if we do it anymore. I, I said at the beginning of the year, I asked people, would you guys just hate it if it was just a GPP bro show? And they were like, yeah, it's trash. We don't want to listen to that. So we we got to do what we got to do. Man, the Gilcast is amazing. I I, I listen to that every single week. Sometimes it's not before the show if I get busy, but it's like one of like the more entertaining things I think I get to listen to because you guys all go back and forth, just like literally ripping on each other the time. It's very different than uh, like the tilt space, right? Like you guys just have like so much like I guess like I don't even know what you would call it. Like it's not animosity. That's not the right word. Like a a, a friendly camp competition, I think, in some ways. And then you guys all play pretty different also so how, how would you say that like that has uh got i guess it's probably gotten a lot different over the years too that you guys have been doing this it's gotta be like the fourth or fifth year you've been doing it right oh i think even honestly i i, I do think even longer than that we we have the three of us have all been doing shows together at least since i was in college which would have been I mean that's like seven ish, eight ish years ago. Because um, we all we all worked for the very old fantasy website, Fantasy Insiders. We all did we all did stuff back then. So I, honestly, that just is what it is. It's like when you get around your college buddies, you can just give each other shit all the time. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a good dynamic, and definitely uh, it it does help me when I'm making decisions, knowing I'm gonna have to justify those decisions later on a, on a show. It, that that does it is helpful. Yeah, I've been there before, even with uh, the tilt space, right? Like, it's actually kind of funny because I think last year, like, Leone and I didn't know each other as well. Like, Pete and I have been mm -hmm. doing shows together for years, but it took a little while for Leone to, like, feel comfortable just absolutely ripping me about certain plays. And, like, a lot of times he's right, but there's times where he, he'll say, too, that he goes a little bit too off the board, but now we just feel comfortable ripping each other, so it makes for a much better show overall. Um, so, yeah, normally we kind of go through um, some different topics uh, depending on DFS, but more macro type of things. But I do want to talk a little bit about your team this past week, Davis, obviously a pretty nice hit in GPPs. And uh, we're going to touch on something towards the end that I don't think we normally talk about as well that I think people will find extremely valuable. valuable. So uh, hopefully people stick around for that. Uh, so eighth place finish for a nice uh, 3K score this week, Davis. Tell us about it. The players involved, the building. Also curious what type of contest this was in. Buy-in size, that sort of thing. Field size, all that. Uh, let, let's let's let you take your victory lap here, man. Since you let me take mine a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, look, don't don't want to do too big of a victory lap. Once, uh, you know, it, it's only it's uh, only four figures instead of five figures. You always want a little bit more. But that was in the fifty dollar single entry. I think there's about that. That's the it was the big one. So about six thousand people uh, in that one, which I to me is um, very unique because it's kind of a combination of MME bro thinking in terms of uh, field size and what you will need to actually win in terms of uniqueness but very much the stuff we talk about on this show in terms of how ownership shakes out. So what, what you'll see is in that contest, the chalk really does get pushed up. Uh, you know, guys who are 20% in the Millie Maker are 40% in 
that contest. Um, you, you, we saw that with the Brady doubles, right? Brady doubles, super chalky yesterday in in everything. Buccaneers guys, super chalky. So the team was uh, a Chargers double stack, Keenan and Mike, T as the bring back, the three chalkiest running backs, uh, Gibson, Sony, and... Mitchell. Gibson. Gibson, Sony, and Mitchell. I got you. <laughs> uh, there we go. And then uh, the the differentiator, which was my, the number one play, I thought, of the entire slate was George Kittle. I thought he was basically the skeleton key to winning good lineups. Because, uh, and, and I bet you will agree with me on this. Any slate where there is a clear chalk option at tight end, easiest way to win the slate. Stone cold, easiest way to win the slate. Uh, does not matter what DFS site you're playing on. But if you log on FanDuel and you know... Tight end X is going to be in everyone's cash game lineup and 40% of tournament lineups. And most people are going to think about the slate. So like, not only do you have that correlation with Moreau yesterday, but you had the correlation of people thinking about their lineups like that all week long. So, okay, I won't play Moreau. I'll play James O'Shaughnessy or I won't play James O'Shaughnessy. I'll play, I don't even know what other cheap tight ends people right. play, but, but people think that way. Mm-hmm. And so it gets you on a different roster construction. You need different things from the field, which I think is, um, that's got to be one of the easiest ways to think about creating plus EV lineups is just like, how can I create rosters that other people are not going to be creating? Yeah, I think one of the things I like the best about this team, obviously, we're a little bit more focused on FanDuel, but on certain instances, like we talked about this last week with defense, Davis, like when there is like a big price difference on a player or whoever it may be uh, on either site, uh, a lot of times you'll see the ownership really skewed towards the one where they're a better value. It makes perfect sense, right? It was pretty easy to get up to George Kittle on FanDuel because if you're playing Foster Moreau, you only had to pay another like 1500 bucks or so to get him. On DraftKings, we see Kittle drop to like 5% in some stuff, sub 10% in most contests, right? So that's where you were really able to leverage the field. I love the Charger stack. Uh, I think uh, bringing it back with T was sharp, putting, I guess, uh, your past biases. I guess, I don't know, you close to even on T oh, after this one week? So, Probably, yeah. so hard for me to do, man. Because yeah. I, I, I like as like a, you know, a, a DFS content creator, I should know better than to create these biases. Dude, it is. It was hard for me to click on T. Like I yeah. was working with that team forever, trying to do Jamar Chase. Like, and and honestly, the same for Keenan too. Well, Miles um, Sanders like, was in play. Hard. Even like by the end of the week, you're just like trying to tuck yourself into plays like that too. And I'm just like, I spent all week just trashing myself for playing. I'm like, can I really do this again? So yeah, I'm with you, man. That's hard. Um, it really is. Like it, it it is unbelievably hard to get yourself to to make those plays that you are don't want to make. Yeah. Um, this lineup specifically, what I think you did uh, extremely well is you mixed in a lot of shock running backs, like you said, but like your stack was relatively lower owned. Like this charger stack ended up coming in much lower than I expected, especially if you add in big Mike, like you did instead of Eckler. So I kind of like the idea of doing that, bringing it back with T who was obviously much lower owned. We know that the chargers really, uh, defend the deep ball very well. So I thought T T made a ton of sense, even though some people were kind of talking themselves into, uh, Jamar chase. I know Jamar chase drops that bomb that could have been a touchdown, but yeah, the T stuff was great. Um, and then at defense, you ended up just playing the lions, uh, which were extremely cheap, right? Like it's punted off your five points at defense doesn't really matter at that point. But Kittle was interesting just because of all the roster construction stuff. But also I don't think enough people swapped to him just because they probably already had their tight end slot locked in. I know Peter had a really nice week also, and he ended up playing uh, Goddard and Kittle on that team, but Kittle was a late swap, and I think he m- moved off of Sony, which also was a, a kind of a, a key decision point going into the afternoon. I personally never considered moving off of Sony, um, but Peter did pull the trigger on that, and it actually led him to uh, to playing Kittle, so I guess it worked out 
Um, did you ever consider moving off of Sony? Like, I know there was like that news that came out uh, about like, I guess Henderson was going to be active. Like, I, I assumed he was just there as like an emergency backup, right? Maybe I didn't look into it enough, but like he came in a little bit lower than I expected. So maybe people moved off of him. No, I made I made the same note this morning to Nate and Sammy is is looking at ownerships and everything, because if if Henderson was straight and active and like not like I feel like he would have been like 80 percent and stuff in cash and like 60 percent in tournaments or whatever, yeah. because he was far and away the number one points per dollar play. And maybe some of it was people late swapping. And there was I mean, there we it, it was a very tired trope of content last week, but there were a million running back plays. But I mean, he was far and away the best play on FanDuel on, on every DFS site because he was so cheap. He had that huge role. Mechie Sargent ended up coming in to take two snaps away. But I, I played Sony in every lineup I made yesterday. I mean, you just don't, you don't look at the barrel of a, an 11 point favorite running back with literally no comp. Like that guy, that guy ends up in the optimals like a huge percentage of the time. Like I, he goes just, down and scores on the first drive and he's 5k. Like at that drive. point you don't have him and you're in so much trouble just from a roster construction standpoint. So like, yeah, I yeah. didn't really consider not playing him either i think it was like a tough week at running back obviously like what everyone's been talking about is how there were so many really good plays so these are the kind of weeks that i struggle a little bit in tournaments and i think what i'm going to do going forward we've had, a, we've had a couple weeks like this where it ends up just being really spread out is i'm going to try and get much more different on these slates uh, try and find like that lower own stack like you did specifically and then maybe just play some of those running backs that are going to be pretty high owned but no one's really going to get steamed one way or the other if it ends up being relatively flat i think that's the time where you really need to lean in into like a, a really unique correlation. I think that's what you did really well this week. Uh, but before we move on, let me know in the comments your biggest regret of week 13 and consider subscribing to the second YouTube channel. Link in the description for that. I'm giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card once we hit 1K subs. We're about halfway there already. Details in my pinned tweet at Joe Holka. So something a little bit further from what we normally talk about around here is the value of just the more granular data that we can get from watching the NFL games every Sunday. And Davis, what I'm curious is how would you say this has impacted your process either positively or negatively? Because I can see both sides. I think that there, there also is like kind of a a key difference here, which is that for full MME bros who are really playing with the game at a much higher level, um, where it's a lot about correlations, it's a lot about having the absolute best sims and things like that. I mean, certainly, I don't think that you could. Well, I don't know. Maybe you can hurt your process by by watching games, but uh, I think the number one way that watching games sort of helps you, and this is true in NBA DFS too, is knowing how players are going to interact when someone is out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I saw with George Kittle. Not that, not that again, that I am some amazing scout who knows exactly what every team is, is doing on the field. But, you know, it, it's obvious that Jimmy Garoppolo cannot throw outside. Every time the guy throws a ball outside, you feel like it's going to get picked or it's going to be incomplete. But he can throw over the middle of the field relatively well. And I'm sure you can mine that from the data as well. But George Kittle, just a very natural replacement for that. They're going to play more 12 personnel. Uh, I mean, that's a really recent example. But there are, I mean, how many times have we gone through this? over the course of the NFL season where someone's out and we got to figure out, okay, how is the offense going to change? And I do feel like um, not only, not only watching the games to like get that granular data, but to also like form opinions about players and like context of like that guy's really good, but getting a little bit underutilized. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there is some value in that, even if it's very like passe to talk about it. Like no one wants to go on a DFS show and be like, yeah, that guy looks really good to me, right. you know?
Yeah, I think there's there's a couple things. I think both directions, right? Like obviously, like the really big plays that you see live, like if you're watching Red Zone, you see Deshaun Jackson catch a bomb, and then you realize after the game he played like 12 snaps. Like that can kind of yeah. hurt you a little bit in your biases. Like I always think of like John Ross because every time he touched the ball, he was like always like on a deep ball or a big play, like the Tavon Austin type of thing. Where like on like it's just so eye popping, like the talent and that sort of thing. Um, that can hurt you when it is a volume game when it comes to a lot of these different positions. But a way that it can help you is what you're saying in terms of like how teams interact with different type of uh, just personnel decisions, right? So like we, we use the Miles Sanders argument as it obviously kind of worked out this week. But a lot of times when a Philly running back goes down, it doesn't really matter. Like the role doesn't change. They just move someone else up in the practice squad. And then we get Boston Scott to come in and play like the the, the role that the guy that was hurt would have played, right? We see Gainwell come in and score um, this past week, which was pretty tilting as someone that had um, a Miles Sanders share. So I think that like getting an idea of how these teams interact with that stuff, because it's, it's, sometimes it's a little bit, I think um, just if you're just going to move all these market shares and all of these things on the back end, you'll see guys pop as really high values, uh, depending on what that team normally does, though. Sometimes it's a little bit of fool's gold. I don't really watch uh, any of the Island games anymore. I kind of try and get away from my computer on Thursdays and, and Monday nights. But yeah. uh, definitely, uh, I think red zone at times can be uh, a little bit uh, good for some things, uh, but definitely in other ways. I, I like seeing like the the unrealized air yards because sometimes like that's the thing that I think in my head is really hard for me to move away from. For but sure. then you see it's just like, OK, like these these air yards that are coming from like Zach Wilson are just not as valuable as them like coming from Josh Allen. You know what I mean? No, no, 100%. I think that is, I think that is uh, one of the best uses um, in, in terms of NFL stuff. Also, like, uh, Jamal Williams, great example this week, right? Jamal Williams, I, I did not play Jamal Williams at all. Our, our data showed that he was a really good player. And, and uh, I, always, I always used to joke about this stuff when I worked with Drew and Mike, but I was like, you know, sometimes it is just kind of a feel thing. Yeah. And my feeling is that Jamal Williams is not DeAndre Swift and that he was, un he was very unlikely to come in and play 85% of the snaps and get nine targets. Yeah. Uh, and, and that it, again, it's very, it, uh, it's also very easy to have these takes after you just had a good week. Sure. Uh, you know, if, if Jamal Williams just had 28 carries and six targets and, and went full Eli Mitchell, I'd be feeling very differently. But one of my thoughts is Jamal Williams is, is not DeAndre Swift. And so there's more, there's more room for like in-game variance that if one of the other guys is playing well, that's exactly what happened. This converted safety, Godwin Igwebuke, uh, it's a crazy dude go look at his player profiler it's crazy oh, well. like played played safety at notre dame but is this gnarly athlete um but he he is like the type of guy like yeah if he's playing better in the middle of the game it's not a situation where like oh yeah dan campbell's just leaving jamal williams in there because he's jamal williams yeah. um and and like understanding in-game variant stuff like that i feel like is is also pretty helpful and something that you would pick up from what from like not even I guess maybe not even necessarily watching the game, but kind of just following yeah, just like same thing on game tracker. Like mm -hmm. you see four Jamal Williams touches in a row go for negative yardage. It's not really going to be surprising <laughs> if the other running back comes in and starts to steal some snaps. Yeah, the the Jamal Williams stuff was was brutal for me because the only places I had him was when I had like a mini stack with Justin Jefferson. So kind of buried a lot of my Justin Jefferson teams. I only had three main teams, but two of them had Justin Jefferson on them. And then I had a mini stack with Thieland and uh, Jamal as well. So I was kind of looking at that game through a mini stack lens. And also like I, I'm kind of a sucker sometimes, Davis, when I start listening to what people are talking about throughout the week. If there's like a play that projects very similarly 
Um, but there's this narrative that the player's not any good and he's going to be a little bit lower owned than those other plays. Sometimes those I'm just graduating. Huge though. jam spots. I know. That's that's kind oh, of why I landed right. a, a couple different reasons I played him. But then, yeah, obviously, Jamal, all the slappies that say that Jamal's not any good, they look pretty good right now. You know what I mean? So, well, so the thing was, is Jamal was also better on FanDuel too, with, True. with the context of of the pricing and everything. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit different when you're flipping coins between Antonio Gibson and and Jamal Williams, and and also I tend to the way I play, I am uh, I like don't think about running back Peon all that much. Like I will just stone cold eat running back chalk. Like yeah. oh, I have ninety five percent cumulative ownership between my running backs and my flex. Like. A huge chunk of the time, I'm gonna be okay with that. I I'm I was not one of these bros um, playing Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler this week, of which there were many bros doing that because they yeah. were you know theoretically great spots. Like I just, and maybe that's a leak, maybe it's not. I don't know, but very rarely am I trying to differentiate myself with when there are such defined values. What do you do with that? Are so, do you try and do that? I, this is what I was gonna ask you because what I've been trying to add in my game normally, yes, I am exactly like you. Let's get weird a wide receiver. Let's try and do something different with our correlation and our stacks and just play all the best running back plays. Um, this year, I've been trying to get a little bit, especially on like weeks that we just had where there's a lot of good running back plays. Try and yeah. play a solid running back at 1 p.m. that is gonna go overlooked. Um, and really try and leverage in that way because then if I'm wrong on like the the five percent Miles Sanders, it doesn't matter. I can just get weird with the rest of my lineup from there. But if I'm right and then one of these other really chalky running backs fails at one p.m., I'm already ahead of those teams. So yeah, sometimes play, I think I take that a little bit chalk. too far. But yeah. I don't know, man. This is just a week where I didn't have a lot of conviction like to differentiate like the top five or so plays. You know what I mean? So at that point, I was just gonna jam in two of them and then find a one p.m. guy that I liked and hopefully swap from there. The the Sony stuff was kind of throwing a little bit of a wrench in that plan just because there was really no clean swap for Sony as well. So how yes. did you approach that? Did you? Even, I know you said you didn't consider swapping off of them, but also part of it was there really wasn't a lot of clean swaps either, right? So there were, um, there were a couple uh, options. One of them was Cup Sony could turn into like um, Deontay and someone else. I, I, I yeah. don't remember the exact swap, but it was like there were there was a pretty good 2v2 swap and would get you way weird on construction because everyone and their mom was playing running back in, in flex this mm -hmm. weekend. I looked so at one that I, had I Hollywood, that I think. It. Like Hollywood and like Claypool or something like that. It was something like that. It was Claypool. It was yeah. Claypool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which which felt fine. But my my thinking was basically like Unless I'm stone dust, like unless I unless my teams just are bad, I I'm just running through. Because I mean, what we had Sony for like 19 and a half points at 4300. Right. It, it just it was like it would have been so. I would have had to have had like a, a Matt Ryan stack or something from you know. I just had some some awful 1 p.m. result to to get off of Sony. Yeah, I mean, you still need the ceiling, and Sony allowed you to get to some of these other plays that could help, hopefully, like bring you all the way back, uh, which I could have used, uh, but not you, Davis. So uh, I'm glad you had a great week. Hopefully, we move forward and keep this train moving since you're a GPP bro now. Uh, Davis Maddock, everyone, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Go subscribe to the Takecast. Check out all the great stuff over at SportsGrid. Hey man, uh, you got to keep this thing rolling, man. It's always it's always great on the Swolecast, I think, uh, or not the Swolecast, the. Uh, God, you got so many shows, dude. The Gilcast, uh, when you have a great week and then like the other guys don't. It's always the best when like there's some differentiation. When you guys all win, sucks. When you guys all lose, it's pretty funny. But it's nice when Correct. like one person crushes and the when other one, people. When, uh, no, the best the best combination is when Sammy and I win and yes. Nate directly 2v2s us and gets crushed. That that is the that is the best entertainment there is. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. I'll see you next week.
Beautiful. Thanks for yeah. having me, bud. Before we get back at it, I want to thank the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, for all the support this year. New FanDuel players, listen up. Your day's about to get 20% better with a bonus on your first deposit, up to $500 for free. All you have to do is claim it by visiting FanDuel.com slash Holka. First, that link does support the channel, so thank you. And even if you are not a first-time player, it would mean the world if you give FanDuel another go this week and start that process through my link. That's FanDuel.com slash Holka to claim your bonus and start playing today. It'll bring you right to our $5 three-entry max listener league contest. That one I will be reviewing every week on stream. Quite honestly, one of the best places you can put your money in all of DFS because it's completely rake-free. There's a whole lot of NFL action left this season, so make sure you join our community over on FanDuel. Pick a lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see where your team stacks up against the competition. They've got a ton of different game formats between main slate and single game contests. You can even set up private contests with your friends to experience season-long wins without season-long waits by joining the $5 Listener League or making your first deposit through FanDuel.com Holka, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the Joe Holka Show, age and local restrictions apply. Bonus is used as a non-refundable site credit that expires after 30 days. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Trending NFL topics with Sigmund Bloom. Post-week 13 reveal, reactions, overreactions, everything in between to help you guys take advantage of where this NFL season is going, not where it was. Co-owner of footballguys.com is with us, Sigmund Bloom. How we doing, Sig? Good. You know, Joe, there were actually a decent number of results this week. That made us feel sane. Mm-hmm. That made us feel like maybe we can understand what's going to happen in a game when we look at the history of these teams this year and mix them together. Uh, maybe some of that is we had more divisional matchups. So we had a previous matchup of these teams earlier this year. Some of these games like Tampa, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Houston, they went according to form. So that helps us feel like we're not wasting our time. But it's still a moving target. It's still changing. The weather's changing. The team's focus is changing. A lot of teams' self-knowledge, self-scouting continues to evolve, while other teams still continue to stick their head in the ground like an ostrich. Yeah, I want to jump right into it today, Sig. And one of the biggest storylines for me, uh, personally at least, was Kyler Murray. And after missing mm-hmm. three games with that ankle sprain, like he makes his return after the Cardinals buy four total touchdowns, two through the air, uh, two on the ground, despite just throwing the ball 15 times in this one. So my biggest takeaway here was that maybe the conservative approach to Kyler's return was absolutely the right move for a team that has yeah. high aspirations. But like, what did you, what did you make of all this stuff, Sig? Yeah, I think that we can uh, tip our caps to Arizona as the one consistently excellent team so far this year. Really, their only off game was uh, with uh, Colt McCoy. It was the mm-hmm. return of Cam Newton in the desert. Moses, yeah. right? Uh, so, okay, you went 2-1 and one with Colt McCoy. That's pretty good. But they were conservative with him, Murray. They were conservative with DeAndre Hopkins, allowing the bye to be factored in. And the other thing I think that we need to look at from a conservative standpoint Joe is their run pass split. Okay. And even though this is a team that brought in AJ Green in free agency that drafted Rondale Moore, uh, how many, like you said, 15 attempts. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, what did James Conner have? 22, 23 carries. Right. Here's another thing they did that is very wise, in addition to just signing James Conner, is that they had him in a committee with Chase Edmonds. Mm-hmm. So the Steelers would give James Conner all the work he can handle and he would be worn out by December. Now, James Conner, who looks like a big, rugged, skilled back out there, looks like he's ready for December. This is one of the things I want to point out, okay? Because I think that we don't factor in the interconnectedness of offenses and defenses as much as good coaches and good organizations do. Not all of them, Mm -hmm. but the good ones do. This has helped explain 
for instance, why Kansas City has become more conservative. And now Kansas City's defense is caught up and it's their offense that needs to get jump started. Right. But there's some there's something deceptive if you look at year to date rushing stats. Okay. If you look at year to date rush yards, uh, the Cardinals are actually right around in the middle. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you look at yards per carry, the Cardinals, only the Steelers. The Steelers? Yeah, the Steelers. <laughs> the Steelers I know, right? The Steelers are a team you want to pick up, pick on on the ground. And if you look at the percentage of runs that go for a first down, the Cardinals are third worst in the league, only the Chargers and the Chiefs. Again, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs protecting that defense. So doesn't it make sense for the Cardinals to try to grind out long drives, win the time of possession battle? I know it seems quaint to talk about the time of possession battle, but again, how can Kyler Murray not affect the game if he's on the sidelines? True. If if other teams are grinding out long drives against them, so it makes sense for them to become a more conservative offense, grind out those long drives with James Conner. And right now, I think they'd have to be your Super Bowl favorite. Love to hear that. Uh, I, I will say that I think that there's an argument in favor of like these teams that can win a lot of different ways too. So like now they have like I mean let's I mean, even just the defense sake. Like I know they lost yeah. JJ Watt for the season, but guys like Buda Baker, like he had a pick in this game. Chandler Jones off the edge. Like this team can get it done on defense as well, and they're just like finding ways to win. Like we talked about the Vikings just finding ways to lose. Like Sig, you yeah. have your your Detroit shirt on today, which I can appreciate. Like uh, the yeah. ending of that game uh, was not very uh, appreciated in my household, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty cool uh, way for that game to end. But yeah, the Vikings just finding ways to lose. Like it seems like the the Cardinals are just the the polar opposite of that. Uh, I always think about this though. Is like not let's not forget that this is the same team that started five and two in 2020, only to just completely free fall to eight and right. eight and miss the playoffs. Right. So like I I would tip my hat to the organization just being like, okay, we have this injury for our star quarterback. The NFC is extremely, extremely competitive. The division is extremely, extremely competitive. You would think that they were probably feeling a little bit of pressure to get Kyler back, to get Nuke back, but they had the hindsight to be like, okay, we have a good team and our defense can get us through. And the fact that they won a couple games while he was out is obviously great, but it could have gone the other way. But I just love that they were just like, we're not bringing him back until he's ready to be Kyler Murray. And that's basically what we saw. Like we saw Kyler Murray go out there. And this is like one of the more important things I think is that like as a runner, he didn't really seem to be like nursing that ankle at all. Like he no. had a little pump fake, like the stutter step that we always see before he gets to the pylon. That's like classic Kyler stuff. So I just, I loved uh, to just see him come back. And like, that's what we want to see. Like, is he hesitating? And I didn't see that at all. Did you? Not at all. And the play calling wasn't hesitating either. He had mm-hmm. 10 runs. I don't know exactly how many of those runs were designed, Joe, but before his injury, in fantasy circles, the talk was, in DFS circles, why isn't he running? Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be part of the package. He was going to make a step forward as a passer because of the pieces they surrounded him with. They got Rodney Hudson to give them someone in the pivot to really be a cornerstone of that offensive line. So it was all going to be better for this offense, which was then going to create a, a super quarterback for fantasy football, and the rushing con- contributions weren't there. Yesterday, 15 pass attempts, and he's still one of the best fantasy quarterbacks of the week because he scored twice, and one of the runs at the goal line was by design. Yep. So these are signs that internally they feel like they can unleash him as a runner again. And I think, again, when you think about extending drives, those back-breaking, morale, demoralizing 
plays for a defense is whenever you cover everything well, you do everything well on third down, and Kyler Murray still breaks out and converts the third down and keeps your defense on the field. So, yeah, I think this is, even though Arizona's not a cold-weather team, they don't play, they play in the Dome Stadium, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is how you switch to cold-weather football at this time of year. Are you worried at all about DeAndre Hopkins? Like he just hasn't seen the volume this year and it's been spread out. Obviously him coming back like yeah. two or seven, like it does get in the box and kind of saves his fantasy day. But like, I, I think that they're maybe just bringing him along a little bit slowly. Like he's still like the nuke that like could take over a game in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. If there's anything they should be congratulated for, it's getting him to miss games, talking yeah, him into actually yeah. sit. He never does it. And I think that they're going to reap uh, dividends, reap rewards there. But I think for fantasy, we do have to look at this as a pass offense between Green and Kirk and Moore. And don't forget Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. In addition to Hopkins, if the attempts are going to remain low and we may get Chase Edmonds back soon, then it's there's just not enough to go around to fill up anybody's cup. That being said, Hopkins hasn't really been doing anything to give us that fear of missing out, whether it's for putting together DFS lineups. So it may be, what do they call a DFS circle? Joe, naked, naked Kyler Murray. Naked Kyler, that was, yeah. yeah. Or maybe even this week it was pairing up Kyler with his running back. I know yep. that might be unorthodox, but that might be the right play going forward when Arizona has a good matchup, whether this week against the Rams is a good matchup yet to be seen, but uh, I look forward to watching it. Yeah, you can throw the running back in there and just like guarantee almost that you're going to capture all of the touchdowns from the offense in some shape or form. So I, I like that uh, quite a bit. Honestly, yeah, the Cardinals like kind of in the driver's seat right now heading into kind of the, the final leg of the regular season. So absolutely love to see it. Uh, before we move on, though, guys, something I'm super excited about. You guys have probably seen it uh, on the channel so far, but we have a second YouTube channel for the Joe Holka show. So make sure you guys go subscribe over there immediately. Going to be rolling out more clips from the guests, obviously some exclusive picks and analysis that you can't find anywhere else. So uh, make sure you guys support uh, link in the description for that. I uh, would really appreciate it. Trying to build something like that up uh, mid season, not the easiest thing to do in the world, but Sig, we've seen it multiple times this year, but I uh, guess mm-hmm. moving over to our, our next topic, Twitter was in an absolute uproar after kind of a rough outing for Jimmy G uh, throws a couple questionable picks. Uh, maybe just like a, a rookie mistake uh, type of pick that we don't, uh, I guess we wouldn't want to see from a guy like this. The Seahawks rally uh, 16 unanswered points to win this game and kind of puts like the Niners are still probably going to make the playoffs, but it puts their hopes a little bit in jeopardy at this point. So two questions, Sig, like where do you stand yeah. on this Jimmy G situation? And everyone just wants to know like when Trey Lance at this point, right? Like we all want to see him. It's a good question. I think that the ultimate absurdity in this game Joe was a fourth down, a key fourth down where they called a read option run with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. And I get the element of surprise. And guess what? He didn't get it. No. <laughs> I get the element of surprise. But the whole point of a quarterback like Trey Lance is a la Cam Newton. Even when you know he's going to run on fourth and inches, he can find a way to get it because he's that physical, because he's that strong, because he's that natural of a runner mixing it up in there. So when you draft Trey Lance, and I get it, you're not ready to give him the full playbook, the keys to the car, but when there's an important game, important play that the game may hinge on, and you're not using a player to his strengths, and instead you're using a player to his weakness, and then what's the strength of Jimmy Garoppolo supposed to be? Like you said, he, he's not a rookie. So mm-hmm. he shouldn't be making rookie mistakes. Right. So when, when, and I, and the other thing is there's layers here, right? So how can we tease apart? Well, they're trying maybe to preserve trade value for Jimmy Garoppolo this off season. Mm-hmm. Well, the longer, longer you leave him in, the more it's possible that that evaporates. 
The other thing is, if we're looking at it strictly from a fantasy standpoint, uh, this week against Cincinnati, that should be an interesting one. It makes me think of those Super Bowls in the 80s when I was rooting against Joe Montana, even though he's <laughs> from the town over for me. Um, but then you're going to see San Francisco from a fantasy standpoint. It's like a, an all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, they're going to get Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston. It's pretty nice. 15, 16, and 17. Mm-hmm. So Trey Lance, if he does get that opportunity, if there is a lack of confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo because of – it appears what we have with Jimmy Garoppolo is if the game plan's good, if the execution's good, if the opponent is inferior, Garoppolo's going to look good. He's going to take the plays from the uh, playbook to the field and execute them. But when it requires some overcoming, when it requires some individual plays, he's not going to make those plays. And I think that at this point, what more can they gain by having Trey Lance on the bench? That being said, we know that Kyle Shanahan only listens to Kyle Shanahan. Right. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) to predict this is difficult, but I know that at least in the fantasy standpoint, especially for leagues going into the fantasy playoffs, I'm going to put Trey Lance on my bench just in case he gets to face Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, the best ball shares would really like uh, if Trey Lance would come in because I got uh, yeah. a few too many teams uh, with Trey Lance uh, thinking that he'd be in by week five, week week six, which did not happen. Uh, shout out to Kyle Shanahan. He did seem a little bit upset with Garoppolo just not being able to take care of the football, though. And uh, I think Garoppolo himself said that he got a little bit greedy on a couple of those throws that he made. But I think what it comes down to with Garoppolo and a team like this that potentially could still be in the playoffs is you need like this franchise quarterback or whoever it may be, he's got to make some big throws, right? Like that's the kind of like thing that you need. I mean, to win in this league, you got to be able to make big plays. Like even like, like in Minnesota, like Kirk Cousins gets a lot of flack, Sig, but like what happened in that playoff game against the Saints? I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. I think it was the year before. Yeah. He makes just an absolute incredible throw to Adam Thielen down the field and basically wins them the game, right? You need that to be in your arsenal. And I just don't think that it is for Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. So like, let's get Trey Lance in there, see what you have. And yeah, maybe they're just trying to uh, get something out of a trade at this point, but it's a really uh, interesting situation because the weapons are fantastic. Sig, like I know Debo went down. George Kittle has his explosion that we've been waiting for. They just kind of put him back into that, that role, that kind of offense that they were playing before and Brandon Ayuk was I mean he was a couple drops away from joining him with a huge game right so like yeah. uh, what, what do you make of like uh like if Jimmy G can't succeed with these weapons like it's just not gonna happen yes and I think that what you said you need a quarterback that can make those throws you need a quarterback that himself believes he can make those yes. throws I'm not sure if Jimmy Garoppolo believes that and you need a quarterback that his teammates believe that mm-hmm. he can make the throws so if you're listening if you're watching Kyle Shanahan Know this, if you put in Trey Lance now in the last five games of the season, you're going to have to drop on opposing defenses that don't have a lot of film, that don't have a lot to prepare for. And if you can get into the playoffs, then you're going to have the drop there too as teams are going to be preparing for a different offense or have much less. Because the other thing is Atlanta, Houston, Tennessee, and that's bottom defense, especially Atlanta and Houston. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are games where Trey Lance, if there's going to be bumps in the road, if you're going to give him an environment, a real live game environment against live NFL players where he can learn as he goes, this would be the perfect time to do it. So if it's lining up well for Kyle Shanahan to look like a genius, if he makes the switch now because Trey Lance will have an easier environment to have success and build his confidence. And maybe in a wild and woolly wide open 
AFC because what's the team that San Francisco seems to play well against the Rams? Yep. They seem to play Division well games. against Arizona. Mm-hmm. So if they if Arizona is the number one seed and San Francisco gets in as a six or a seven, they have a chance to make some noise, but only if it's Trey Lance. Yeah, I'm with you. The last thing on the 49ers that I wanted to ask you about, Sig, was Eli Mitchell, like talking about Shanahan. Like he clearly likes Eli, Eli Mitchell, like another 22 rush attempts, three targets through the air. So this is a, a situation where, like, I mean, we know he doesn't like uh, the other guys in the backfield, right? Sometimes yep. that's all that matters. So I don't know. This is such a valuable backfield just because they run the ball so well and the matchups coming up. Like, does Eli Mitchell end up being like a league winner in some situations? Like, he gets hurt in the game, yep. comes back. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, at this point, he is a running back one. He is a fantasy running back one. And I think, again, what we can file away for future years of fantasy football is when we see that week one surprise opportunity, sometimes it is worth it to empty your wallet because you get the opportunity for the whole season. And Mitchell has missed some games, but I think it's almost incontrovertible other than Cordero Patterson. Uh, We'll see what Alexander Madison does down the stretch. But Mitchell has been highly valuable and sticking your neck out with that first piece of data that, yes, Kyle Shanahan prefers, greatly prefers him to Trey Sermon. However, you you see Elijah Mitchell get banged up again. Maybe Elijah Mitchell's best quality in Kyle Shanahan's terms is the quality that's going to open the door for Jeff Wilson, Mm -hmm. not Trey Sermon, who's now on IR. Jeff Wilson in fantasy leagues because really Mitchell leaves it all out on the field. Mm -hmm. Full effort. And the thing is, he's not the most efficient runner. If you look at all the efficiency metrics, I know this is something that's in your wheelhouse, Joe. He does not rate well. Right. But he's a full effort runner. He runs the plays the way they're supposed to be run. He doesn't fumble. And these are things that Kyle Shanahan really likes. But at some point, all of these nicks and bumps are going to catch up with Elijah Mitchell again. And I think this is a reason to put Jeff Wilson on your bench. And it may be Jeff Wilson getting those matchups. And even though it didn't happen the first time Jeff Wilson got an opportunity this year, in the past, he has been an unbelievable fantasy running back when he has the backfield to himself. Sigmund Bloom. Everyone, make sure you guys follow him on Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. Check out all the content over at footballguys.com. Sig, always a great conversation. I look forward to this every single Monday, and uh, we'll see you next week, my man. Me too, Joe. Can't wait. I want to take a second to thank our exclusive memorabilia partner, Pristine Auction, a website that auctions off a ton of insanely cool sports memorabilia each and every day with items starting at just $1. There's thousands of auctions ending daily. So some of the crazy deals that you'll see actually pretty common, whether it's a daily auction, a weekly auction, doesn't matter. The marketplace is open 24 hours with no reserves. Also, all of these autographed items are guaranteed authentic, so you never have to worry about that. I do have a registration code, so make sure you enter code HOLKA when you first sign up. It's good for $10 off your first purchase, but more importantly, you're eligible for the weekly giveaways from the mystery unboxings, but only if you're fully registered at Pristine Auction, so hopefully it's with code HOLKA because it supports the channel, so thank you, and let's get back to the show. This is Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. It's our DFS first look at NFL Week 14, a true reaction of pricing and efficiencies and how we see ownership shaking out as we transition into a new week. We'll build a first look lineup at the end, so stick around, as well as a special surprise. I obviously say we because, of course, my good buddy from Fantasy Labs, Ryan Hodge, is with us. Hodge, I know you were traveling, but how did Week 13 treat you? Week 13 was good, man. Spent a little time in Miami this weekend. Had a good Sunday slate on... Um the nfl on sunday and just in, enjoyed the beach and enjoyed actually making money in, in nfl dfs for uh for two weeks in a row joe two weeks in a row we hey we, we are back love it 
Love it. All the we are back emojis in the chat right now. It's uh, it's great stuff. Uh, I can't believe it's week 14 already, man. Normally it's like uh, kind of like the, the home stretch until we get to the, like the best slates of the year, the playoff slates. But now, I mean, we still have like five weeks of this thing, man. So it's going to be it's going to be a grind. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it this week, Hodge. And we're going over. This is my first look at the pricing. Also, uh, it is a it looks like a slightly smaller slate. We got Thursday Night Football. I think maybe we have a Saturday game this week, but I don't know. It looks a little bit smaller to me. But at the quarterback position, Josh Allen is 8,800. We'll see what happens on uh, Monday Night Football. But getting this pricing out against Tampa Bay, that's probably going to be the marquee matchup on this slate. 425, uh, Brady Allen, uh, an interesting one. Patrick Mahomes back on the main slate, 8,500. What the hell do we do? with Patrick Mahomes just they can't get it together for like stringing a couple weeks in a row at this moment like they basically win that game uh on Monday night football with their defense which is crazy uh so that's that's a interesting price tag I think uh, against the Raiders Justin Herbert 8400 Tom Brady 8200 so a lot of like really high-end quarterbacks on the slate Dak Prescott's back on the main slate also Lamar Jackson 7900 against Cleveland what do you think about the top end in this one? And do you agree that Buffalo Tampa Bay looks like it might be kind of the marquee uh, matchup on this one? Yeah, I think, I think from maybe like a game selection standpoint, you could see people getting over Buffalo's defense kind of being tough because it's Brady and Godwin and Evans and Fournette and just the Bucks in general. Right. So people might excuse a, a slightly difficult matchup there. So yeah, I could I could see that side of it. I do think I prefer the the Buffalo side of that football. Um for sure. I just I, I'm kind of still down to attack any teams against against the Bucks and in a high total game. And then you have extremely talented wide receivers as well. So um that looks good. I actually what's what's interesting is the last game that Patrick Mahomes played well in was when he torched the Raiders that's true and, and he's they he's, refuse he's to change their defensive scheme remember everyone's talking about that how they just yeah. like you literally like there's like the blueprint on like what's been giving Mahomes trouble and the Raiders are like nah I'm just gonna we're gonna do our nah. own thing yeah dude <laughs> makes really no sense not care yeah um so that's a that is for them. that is interesting I wonder if that narrative gets tossed around a little bit but I, I actually think I might even prefer coming down a little bit and going back to to Dak Prescott here with a fully healthy wide receiver core, uh, or at least what appears to be an all active wide receiver core. I don't know if, I don't know if we can throw around fully healthy, but sure. um, Washington's been pretty friendly to opposing pass catchers and wide receivers. Uh, Elliot's knee issue might have them leaning more towards unique plays for Pollard, more passing plays, maybe a little bit of that less run. And then I think Washington can be competent and keep them, you know, throwing the ball a little bit more than they would want to anyways. And that's a significant discount from a guy like Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Man, a lot of pass attempts too. Maybe that is part of the reason because they just had like Zeke's been banged up, right? So they haven't been able to really get the the running game going with Zeke uh, when they give the ball to Pollard. It looks pretty good, but yeah, man, 40 pass attempts last week, 47 the week before. And if they're going to be completely healthy, definitely don't mind. Uh, going back to Dak, I think that's a great call. Uh, Lamar against Cleveland, like these later in the year, and I know you, you like to mention this sometimes too, later in the year, these like uh, division matchups, the mm -hmm. second one, we do see those games go under a little bit more often. So we'll keep an eye on that. Russell Wilson against Houston. That's going to be the one that I think some people are going to be gravitating towards just because it's Houston. 
but I'm just I'm kind of out on Russ, man. I just I, I just can't like actively click that one and feel good about it. And maybe that's just a weird bias that I've developed. But have any interest in Russell Wilson at 7,500 against Houston? No, I think I would find the 600 to get to Dak, or I definitely think I just go down to a guy like Derek Carr against Kansas City uh, for 7,200. If if you're really looking to to save some money here, uh, Cam Newton bounce back spot against Atlanta, you know. So like, yeah. I mean, that's always an option too. I'm probably done with him as well, but I I don't hate it. Um, and then you've got like I don't know what's the status on Burrow and his finger. Um, he played, continued to play through that game. So I got to imagine everything's okay. Yeah. It looks like he's going to be limited in practice, at least for like the beginning of the week, but it was a dislocation of his pinky finger, which Should I mean, seems fine, not man. great. Like, didn't we just have this conversation about Russell Wilson and everyone just like basically played him and didn't care and just got burned. So yeah. I don't know, man, finger yeah, injuries for quarterbacks true. seems not great. Um, we'll see if we get Jimmy G in this one. Like we were talking about it with Sig earlier today that like when Trey Lance, man, like it's gotta be time at some point. Um, but man, Jimmy G is 6,700. So, but I guess there's yeah. like some risk. I think that maybe he gets pulled even if he does start in this game. I don't see a lot of like the cheaper options that that stand out to me. Maybe Heineke against Dallas in that up-tempo game, but Dallas's defenses look pretty good. Yeah, no, I don't want to pick on Dallas. I, yeah. I think Washington might stay mildly competitive. So where we can get 38 to 42 pass attempts out of Dak, but I don't know if I don't know if I want to use that side of the ball. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, let's move on to to running back. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of where ownership shakes out on some of the stacks, and then the, the quarterback uh, landscape comes a little bit more clear at that point. We have Austin Eckler at the top. He's 9,200. All he does is score touchdowns this past week. Definitely a down week for him. Uh, does get in the box, but only 59 rushing yards on the ground and a pretty great matchup. Uh, but yeah, he's still active in the passing game. He had almost 20 touches in this one, and normally that's kind of been his cap, but 9,200 for a guy that has such a strong role around the goal line, definitely still interested in going back to Austin Eckler at the top, Joe Mixon, um, neck injury. He did come back into that game and score. Um, so that's kind of interesting. We'll keep an eye on his injury status, nine or 19 rush attempts. Uh, just one target in this game is a little bit of a concern. And Alvin Kamara against the Jets, man, are we going to get him back this week? He had that M MCL injury. I wasn't sure how long it was going to be before he was back, but playing him off of a knee injury, even against the Jets, would be pretty scary at that price point. Um, Leonard Fournette, 7,600. Cordero Patterson, 78. These guys never move in terms of their price. I mean, I don't really like the top end of running back, like first glance. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I do. Just like a quick note on Herbert and Eckler there. I, I feel like we probably lost six to eight pass attempts out of Herbert in that game with some of those turnovers, which ultimately I think limits Austin Eckler's workload and the potentially of extending drives. And they, they were uber efficient at scoring touchdowns, like three passing touchdowns on like 36 pass attempts or something like that. Some super long, deep balls. So I, I think um, his usage was still, was still fine, you know, like 19 total opportunities. So uh, in a, in a game where I think there was more turnovers than right. would, would normally like to, you know, you know, I think that then you would normally see out of, out of Justin Herbert. So yeah, the top end of the range here is definitely Austin Eckler though. Um, and yeah. then I, I kind of, this is where like, I think we just need to see how running back shapes out. Like, are a we going to get break. another, yeah, I think a massive tier break is, uh, um, McKissick and the Washington backfield going to shape out to how it was you know, on Sunday with just 
um, Antonio Gibson because then that's another like how much. Yeah, he's going to have to clear concussion protocol. I wasn't sure if it was it was still the head injury that was keeping McKissick out. So, yeah, at that point, like I, I definitely think we can go back to, to Gibson if McKissick's out yeah, again, no 20, doubt. 29 opportunities, bro, against the Raiders last week. Like, Dude, he, he had like, what, was it like 40 the week before? It was absurd. He had, yeah, that's... Yeah, 20 or 38 the week before, and then another 28 this past week, dude. It's absurd. Like, that's the Antonio Gibson that we were all drafting. You know how we were all taking Calvin Ridley? Antonio Gibson or whatever mm-hmm. high-end tight end Antonio Gibson like can yeah, we better late than never man all those all those yeah. best ball teams are in like seventh now know, though so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> so brutal uh Eli Mitchell in that same range if he's uh healthy he left the game came back but man he got a ton of work again uh, against Cincinnati I think that's a good spot for Eli Mitchell at 7400 Saquon Barkley at 73 against the Chargers we we're just talking about how you can run on the Chargers maybe maybe Saquon you know? this would be a nice spot for him I haven't spent a lot of time really like looking to see um, kind of how he's like basically like if the burst is back, all that stuff. But the volume looks pretty good, man. Nine targets last week. I mean, he's kind of got that split workload, but the majority of it coming through the air. It's just this team's not scoring many touchdowns, man. Like that's the biggest problem I have with Saquon on FanDuel is like he used to be the guy that you'd just jam in there. The volume's great, but he's also going to score the majority of their touchdowns. But like that, the Giants were moving the ball a lot better back then, man. Exactly. Uh, the the only other guys I continue to scroll down here, I think that might be super super interesting is uh, Javonta Williams mm-hmm. against Detroit. Melvin Gordon saw like seventeen rush attempts and a and a couple targets. I think just two or three. So like just shy of twenty freaking opportunities mm-hmm. against Kansas City last week, and uh, or excuse me, um, against the Chargers last week. I don't mm-hmm. know what his game log looked like. Uh, for for against against uh kansas city yep. but dude if we can get a javante williams week at sixty seven hundred dollars i'm all in against detroit i'm, I'm hoping that this news comes earlier right because obviously yeah. melvin gordon was out last week like it's a hip injury right so like i guess yeah. what we're gonna have to figure out what the deal is with timeline on that one yeah like scrolling down a little bit i guess if swift is not back we could go back to the jamal williams experience which wasn't great last week outside of that underneath it's really uh not great i'm probably not going the adrian peterson route in seattle unfortunately if any of you guys want to go there best of luck um yeah i don't know the the buffalo running backs i've been kind of steering clear of even though zach moss hasn't really even been active in some of these games but very cheap for both of these guys is there like everyone that Fanduel doesn't know what to do with they just put them at 5500 and see if someone's gonna play them you know what i mean Here's your lottery uh, ticket yeah uh any interest in the Kansas City running backs again they're priced right next to each other so it's kind of what they're doing man they're just like literally like like okay, go ahead guys pick whoever you want <laughs> good luck good luck we're not going to give you any type of a price discount to help you make a choice exactly um no I I don't I think the biggest the biggest news here uh will will honestly just be monitoring Melvin yep. Gordon going forward Agreed. Before we move on to wide receiver, I want everyone to go to fanduel.com slash Holka and join the listener league or just click the link in the description. It's a $5 entry, rake-free, three-max tournament. Honestly, one of the best, if not the best contest in all of DFS. So get in there before it fills. That link does support the channel, especially if you're a first-time player. Maybe just been a while since you played on FanDuel. So thank you for restarting that journey at my link. I truly appreciate it. And tell your friends. All right, wide receiver. Tyreek Hill is 8,700. You're really not getting much of a, di- a discount on him uh, despite the last uh, few weeks. So that one uh, will be uh, an interesting one ownership-wise, I think, if people are willing to go back to that. And Stefan Diggs, 8,200. CD Lamb, 7,800. Will we get Amari back? Because I'm scrolling down. 
6700 and I know he played on Thanksgiving, but he did not look great. Um, but that's a great yeah. price point for him. I could see him gaining a little bit of steam because I think this game is going to be popular. I think you're absolutely right with the Dak stacks again. Yeah, uh, I definitely think this game is popular. I think CD Lamb is without a doubt the highest owned wide receiver in this entire range, mm-hmm. um, probably from... 7600 and i i mean i would even throw dk and like an ownership conversation but if we just look at price from a price standpoint coupled with ownership 7600 and up cd lamb is the highest owned wide receiver uh in this in this tier and then i i don't he might even be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate it just really depends on what price shakes what what mm-hmm. price looks like for some of these other cheaper guys yeah and mclaurin in that same game 7100 so that's going to be one that i think is not going to be that price prohibited uh just to get in there uh jamar chase they moved him down a little bit he's 7200 t higgins 68 now so i guess the gap is closing a little bit on those guys it was pretty wide for a few weeks and then hunter renfro is still going to be an optimal he's 6700 no one plays him so his price doesn't move um but he has been very very consistent uh brandon cooks in this seattle game if you want to stack that up 6500 Brandon Ayuk still 6,400. Brandon Ayuk was a few plays away, or a few drops away, I should say, uh, from having a really big game also. So I don't know. That's a tough one. But that that seems like a reasonable price. It's still unfortunate to only see him get targeted six or seven times or whatever yeah. it was with no Debo, Debo. And I know like Debo still gets used in the backfield and stuff, so you can't just like fully shift those targets over. But obviously it was a Kittle game. So yeah, obviously. Um, any love for Michael Gallup at 6,100? Uh, yeah, especially if there's no, uh, if there's no Amari, uh, I think Gallup gets elevated. Even with even with Amari playing, I still think this is probably that that great onslaught where you just go Dax, Didi, Gallup. And in all honesty, I'm not even sure you have to bring it back with Terry McLaurin or mm-hmm. one of the other pass catchers in that offense if there is no. Uh, JD McKissick and Antonio Gibson looks like he's set up for a massive workload. I think that's a that's a run back that I'm okay with, uh, even though it's a running back and not an opposing team's wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I'd be fine like just playing this game uh, kind of uncorrelated on the other side. You don't have to force anything uh, just with how good like Diggs has been and that that secondary has been uh, in general. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I think that, yeah, like the target share, you would think, like condenses a little bit in Dallas with Cedric Wilson and that ankle injury. So keep an eye on that if he is going to be playing Noah Brown all the way down at 4,700 if you want to get freaky with that one. Uh, Speaking of freaky, let's talk about tight end. Uh, There's no one to pay up for um, in this Dallas-Washington game. Dalton Schultz is only down at 5,700 now. Uh, If we put everyone back in, like I should have from the start, Kittle is 7,500, or Kittle is 7,100, sorry. Kelsey is 7,500, and then Gronk is 7K. So like... I don't know, man. I didn't think that we would see Gronk uh, up here ever again. I thought it was done. And he just keeps scoring touchdowns every single week, man. And he looks great. Like, he's got, like, I don't know, it, like that old Gronk swagger to him, man. So I don't know what to do with that against Buffalo. Obviously, it's not a great situation. But, man, like, it's it's just getting to the point now where they just keep moving his price up because everyone keeps playing him and everyone keeps getting paid off, man. And I just haven't really benefited from that a ton. Um, yeah, look, I think the Gronk stuff is definitely tough. Uh, I think clearly just part of part of Tom Brady's stacks. I don't think you pay up for him by himself. Yeah. Um, I I won't pay for Kittle. Um, the guy blocks too much for my liking, and then he has those monster games. We're not like chasing just, the Kittle game, right? Can we agree on that? No. Okay. Yeah, in no, in no way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. 
They didn't and waste then, any time pricing him up again, though, because like he was what like sixty something last week. Yeah. Now he's seventy one hundred yep. again. So yeah, he he saw a nice little price hike there. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe it's like a Dawson Knox type game against Tampa Bay. Six um, K. Kyle Pitts definitely, definitely at a sweet sweet price there against Carolina. <laughs> yeah, that's a pro- so. There's a couple guys down there. It's like him and Dalton Schultz at like sub six K that I think is going to get a decent amount of love down there. At least they should. We'll see if uh, we get Darren Waller back. He, was he out multiple weeks with that knee injury? I'm um, still, it was a back as well, it looks like. Yeah, so. I, I think we'll we'll need to see exactly how practice progresses for him yeah. and exactly what that's going to shape out. Here, here's my thing with Pitts, though, because I this price point actually seems too cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, he, as a player carries touchdown equity even though his team doesn't necessarily give it to him does that does that make sense like typically we look at these tight ends we're like yeah Mm -hmm. uh, good high implied team total red zone opportunities because they're constantly pushing the ball downfield that just like doesn't happen with Mm -hmm. with atlanta as, as often as we all thought it was going to but if they do get down there, he does carry touchdown equity. I think a lot, like maybe Tyler Conklin is the only other guy who's getting more more targets yeah, in the geez. end zone than 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 Pitts. So uh, uh, don't don't quote me on that. But the no, point is, yeah, I'm with you. That's too cheap. That's too cheap. Yeah. Pitts is kind of an interesting case because he's basically trotting out there as a wide receiver, and he just hasn't really shown the ability to beat elite corners. So he really needed Calvin Ridley to be out there, man, to have like his like crazy uh, season that we expected from a guy this talented. So maybe it's a, a year too early on seeing those uh, those Kyle Pitts explosions. Hopefully we get uh, Calvin Ridley back uh, playing football, man. Uh, Mark Andrews, the only guy we kind of didn't touch on um at the higher end uh, against Cleveland 6900 pretty nice price tag for him but I don't know man um tight end I think it like always we're gonna have to see what happens um what gets steamed up but a lot to pay up for kind of like quarterback this week it's like very very top heavy yeah I I agree I still still think Kyle Pitts is too cheap sorry (laughs) all right Let's do it then. Let's build a lineup. Uh, But before we do that, I wanted to uh, remind everyone that uh, we do have a second YouTube channel now. So I want everyone to take a second and subscribe to that. Going to post a bunch more clips from the guests as well as a bunch of exclusive picks every single week. Could use your guys' help. Link in the description. That will take you right to it. Or if you're watching this live, it is the pinned link in the chat right now. I think we have almost 500 people on the new channel, Hodge. I'm going to be giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card uh to one lucky person once we hit 1k hopefully it's this week man uh let's build a lineup uh, a first look lineup there are some people that i saw in the comments i see you people in the comments that were talking about our lineup last week we built this on mondays guys this should not be a lineup that you're trotting out on sunday for the record um but where are we starting are we going to start with your boy kyle pitts then no no no. let's let's start with uh let's start with the deck stack love it double yeah, I think so. You just want to go CD Gallup. Mm-hmm. I think it's just two, two, two guys who are priced. Uh, so then, my question is: We bring him back with Terry. We bring him back with Gibson. Um, I would, I would play. I would prefer Gibson. I think. Same. Remember, we already said there's like really not a lot up there outside of Eckler, right? So I yeah. think that that's still fine to get up to Gibson at seventy four hundred. Um, let's see if there's any defenses down here, so I can kind of picture where we're where we're looking here. Jets are the only home defense against New Orleans. They're 3K. That doesn't seem so bad with Taysom Hill. Um, Houston oh. against Seattle is at home. 
We have Washington at home against da- Dallas, but we already have the Dallas stack. Kansas City is 3,700 against the Raiders. I think, yeah. I think KC against the Raiders. I like that. Arrowhead's at home, Arrowhead. Yep. Yep. All right, 6,700 the rest of the way. Um, any other thoughts? No, I think you let's knock out tight end. And in all honesty, I don't think that we have to to play Kyle Pitts. Like I, I actually almost maybe prefer um, Dawson Knox at 6K or, uh, you know, like if we didn't mm-hmm. play Gallup, I think we could use Schultz uh, pretty easily. So like that's an option for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not opposed to playing Foster Moreau here at $5,200, even with Kansas City, I, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned about that. So like uh, I think that's more of just like a Waller, a Waller thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder... Yeah, I'm trying to think if we did go the Dawson Knox route, if we wanted to go with Fournette. The volume has been there, man. It's just like such a tough, I guess, spot to play against Buffalo. Defense has just been so good. So let's go with. Um, I kind of like the Kyle Pitts call, but right, I, I I think that we should I think we should go with that. Like, let's go with our first right. instincts, and our first yep. instincts was that he's just way, way, way too cheap. So he's, uh, he's too cheap for like literally a floor of six and a half targets. Like, yeah. I just I, I I'm actually gonna go game log surf right now as we're building. Mm-hmm. Lowest cool. target count on the season after like week four is five. Wow. Okay. He had three targets in week three, and that looks like an injury to me. That looks like a time that he may have just left early. So, mm-hmm. like, it's just too cheap for a tight end for that many targets. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to kind of look at, too, was this past week and uh, just, like, some of the targets. Like, sometimes you look at, like, I, I guess missed some of this stuff while watching Red Zone. Like, I didn't even realize that uh, Godwin had 17 targets in this game. Is that true? Dude, out of control. And, of course, I'm over here clicking Mike Evans. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, Justin Jefferson, 54% of the air yards for Minnesota. Obviously, he's not on the main slate. T. Higgins, 48% of the air yards. So, like, T. Higgins, like, still seeing crazy volume, 14 targets, 50% of the air yards, basically. So, like, I wanted to see if there was any of those guys that really stood out from a price perspective. And I think, to me, it's it's, honestly, it's still T. Higgins, man. He's 6,800. I, I wholeheartedly agree here. Um, it's a Monday. We're gonna we're just gonna put this in anyways. Obviously, yeah. y'all should be monitoring that that status. But I, look, I said it preseason. I said it after the Jamar Chase breakout stuff. I still said it yesterday. T. Higgins is the alpha in this wide receiver, and I think he will be going forward. Whew, man, I don't know. I don't know if he's the alpha, but the volume is going to be there for sure. Um, so I'm with you. I think he's still uh, at a really nice price point. 7,100 the rest of the way. We could just put an Eckler and see if we can even put anyone in the flex after that. Probably not. 5K. It's so 5K. we're priced out no, no. Priced out of Eckler. We could go Fournette. We could just uh, do a mini stack with our T. Higgins and play Eli Mitchell. Um, I guess we just assume that he's going to uh, be healthy. I know he kind of left the game and came back. So I don't mind Eli Mitchell in there. Uh, we just saw that Drake was uh he got injured right so maybe josh jacobs uh continues to see more work uh but we have casey defense on here which isn't great but i just wanted to we didn't talk about jacobs i think he's interesting we could play javante and just hope that melvin gordon doesn't play i I do want to highlight that though because as a first look like we don't even know about melvin gordon yet but if melvin gordon's not in javante williams is like one of the best plays on the slate so against detroit so if we do that yeah 7500 yeah, agreed. And so now we have 7,500 left in the flex. Could play and Eli Mitchell still. Yeah, yeah we, we could still play Eli Mitchell. We could, we could, flex, we could flex Kelsey. 
Um, that could be fun against uh, against Las Vegas, who I actually think you can kind of eat underneath against. I, I should double check what their opponent plus minus is to tight ends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have like a full myriad of options here. Uh, and I think from a volume standpoint and a matchup standpoint, it's probably just playing Eli Mitchell. I was just going to say, like, uh, if Hodge is going to talk us into a double tight end, that's fine. Uh, it's Eli Mitchell for me at 7,400. Yeah. I think yeah. he's uh, pretty solid. Uh, so there we go. All right. We we did it, Hodge. Our first look for week 14. Uh, make sure everyone follows Hodge on Twitter at Ryan Hodge. You'll get some NFT takes in there, some football, um, but it's always a good time uh, to chat with you on a Monday, my man. Thanks for helping me break it down. Hey, thank you so much, Joe, and good luck next weekend, brother. See you, man. Woo!